Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back to Misconduct. I'm Eileen, and joining me as always is Colleen. How you doing, Colleen? I am good. I had a lot of fun in Carmel this last weekend, and the weather good. was just insanely beautiful. We went wine tasting, um, which I love. Uh, and then the work week was really hectic. We rearranged our office and got rid of all this old paperwork we don't need anymore. So I literally shredded, like, just filled <laughs> giant trash bags full of, like, paper shredding like 10 year old oh, paperwork uh so the week was went by really really fast and now the weather this weekend has been so beautiful um it's been really hard to stay inside and just work on the podcast it was literally like 70 degrees and breezy and sunny which is strange for february even in california uh so i procrastinated way too much so i could enjoy the weather before finishing the script up but i saw on snapchat that you went on a ride so how was that it was amazing because the weather is just so gorgeous. I don't know what happened, but we are definitely spoiled here in Climate California. Climate change. <laughs> True, right? <laughs> but yeah, February in California, man, it was 75 everywhere we went. I mean, we were in Petaluma, 75. We were at the coast, 73. It was just gorgeous. So I don't know. We're just spoiled. I mean, I don't know. It was just gorgeous. I had a really good ride. It's been a while since I've been on a long ride like that. So it was really nice. That um, is nice. It looked really beautiful. Not to it was, like overly brag to all of our I know, right? Californian listeners. <laughs> sorry. People stuck in the snow and things like that. So sorry. But yeah, just the coast and back was gorgeous. And even today was, I mean, it, it's hot for San Francisco. It was 73 here. It was pretty warm. Oh yeah, it was warm today. I have like giant windows in my office that I get to like open and just let the breeze in. So yeah, it was really yeah. nice. And then um, we sold Emily's bike today. So, oh, yeah. I think I was more attached to it than she was, actually. It was kind of funny because I bought it. I surprised her with that bike, but. Um, oh, I forgot about that. You did. Yeah, she didn't know it was coming. Yeah. I was like, clear out the garage because we have a surprise coming. And there was her bike. But, uh, yeah, so it's officially gone. The Bonneville's gone. Oh. Sad. Anyways. Well, now your bike has more room in your garage. So. Exactly. It's room for another bike. <laughs> Uh, another thing we wanted to mention was that we're going to CrimeCon in Nashville this year. Yes. Uh, we aren't official guests, but so many of our pod friends are going. We couldn't pass up the opportunity to go to Nashville. So if you're going, let us know. We would love to meet up with you guys. And we, we might be working on a meetup with some of the other hosts. So we'll let you know when we get the details yeah. all sorted out. Now let's get to this week's episode. This topic was suggested to us by my roommate, Austin, uh, the one that I went to Carmel with for her birthday. I asked her for a case suggestion, and she immediately said this one because it was a case that stuck with her. And once we got to researching, we quickly realized why it stuck with her. Uh, This episode, we will be discussing the abduction and murder of Sandra Cantu. Sandra vanished from the mobile home park where she lived with her family. And with seemingly no leads, investigators worked tirelessly to try and find her. 
But with the accidental discovery of Sandra's body, the case shifted from a missing persons investigation to a homicide investigation. Even after discovering her body, the most shocking piece of evidence was yet to come. This week, we will discuss the events surrounding Sandra's disappearance, the extensive investigation, and the unlikely culprit. And this week's episode takes us to the town of Tracy, California. Tracy is located in the Central Valley, and if you're familiar with the drive from Los Angeles to San Francisco, like we are, Tracy is one of the last towns before you get off the 5 freeway and go west towards the Bay Area. In the last decade, Tracy has been a more affordable place for families from the Bay Area to move to where they can settle down and buy a house with a yard. And overall, Tracy just kind of moves at a slower pace and offers a more low-key suburban lifestyle. In 2009, eight-year-old Sandra Cantu lived in the Orchard Estates Mobile Home Park with her grandparents, mother, and three older siblings. March 27th was a normal Friday for the family. Sandra came home from school and went to play at her friend's house. She came back to her home to check in with her mother shortly after four, and then she left again to go play outside. Sandra was a sweet and outgoing little girl. She was talkative and always the first to volunteer to help out. She was known by almost everyone in the mobile home park where she lived, and she was always going to other homes to see if anyone else wanted to play with her. According to neighbors, it was not uncommon to get a knock on the door and open the door to find Sandra paying them a visit. On this day, she didn't have a particular friend in mind to go visit, and her mom told her to be back in time for dinner. The mobile home park was small, so she was able to walk around the neighborhood with little worry. So Sandra agreed to come home in time for dinner and ran out the front door. A couple of hours passed and dinner was on the table, but Sandra was nowhere to be found. It was not like her not to come home on time, but her mother assumed that she lost track of time and was at a friend's house. Her mom began calling around asking if Sandra was there, but no one had seen the girl since right after school. After each call, Sandra's mother grew more and more worried, and when she had no one left to call, they began searching the mobile home park on foot. When no sign of Sandra was found, her mother called the police to report her missing. It was 7.53 p.m. and Sandra had been missing for less than four hours. Law enforcement immediately began searching for Sandra. There was a security camera on the premises that was installed by a resident, and the security camera picked up Sandra after she left her home the second time. The direction she was coming from was from one of her friend's houses, and later, while questioning that family, it was discovered that they weren't home that afternoon. So Sandra was coming from the direction of her friend's house, presumably, after they didn't answer the door because they weren't there. And the camera shows her walking back towards her home, and then something seems to catch her attention. And she changes direction and walks out of the frame. We'll post a video for you on our website so you can watch it. It's kind of haunting because you can just tell from the short video that she's just a regular little girl. She was kind of skipping around almost in the video, and it was clear she was just looking for someone to play with that afternoon. So sad. The video was given to the media and played across the country on the evening news. The FBI was brought in to assist in the case almost immediately, and the video itself was analyzed thoroughly. Based on the direction Sandra was headed, she wasn't headed towards the mobile home park exit, and her mother said she never went off the property anyways. A lot of the discussion centered on what or who caught her attention and made her change direction. After Sandra left the frame, there was no more activity on the camera for eight minutes when a neighbor's car drove by in the opposite direction towards the park exit. The ground search expanded. Searchers on foot, horseback, and ATV covered the town. 
The CHP brought in helicopters, and the FBI brought in search dogs. Divers searched local bodies of water and the river, but no leads or signs of Sandra were found. The search for Sandra rapidly grew to the second largest search in Northern California history, and I believe the largest was and still is the search for Lacey Peterson. The day after Sandra went missing, a vigil was held in the mobile home park. During the vigil, a woman approached law enforcement and she was frantic. She was crying and hyperventilating, saying that she found something very disturbing. She led investigators to a note found on the ground that said the following. Cantu locked in stolen suitcase, thrown in water on Bacchetti Road and Whitehall Road, witness. The woman who found the note was a neighbor of Sandra's and knew her family. Law enforcement had spoken to her previously when Sandra's mother told police about the text she had received from the woman the night of Sandra's disappearance. The neighbor had texted Sandra's mother to tell her to tell police that a suitcase had been stolen from her driveway shortly after 4 p.m., around the time Sandra was last seen. While the note was very disturbing, it didn't provide any new leads, and it was added to the evidence and the massive search continued. Meanwhile, law enforcement wasn't turning up any sign of Sandra, but they had several people to look into that were in the vicinity of Sandra's home. First was a man who had a disturbing encounter with Sandra two years earlier. Then six-year-old Sandra was at the park swimming pool when the man, who was a neighbor, kissed her on the lips. The man, who was in his 60s at the time, approached her and kissed her in front of several people, and the whole scene was described as very inappropriate. The man was interviewed and given a polygraph, and he had an alibi for the time of her disappearance and then passed the polygraph and was ruled out as a suspect. Another person who was ruled out early on was Sandra's father. Sandra's parents were not together and he did not live in the park. They also did not have any ongoing issues regarding custody that would lead police to believe that he took Sandra in a custodial interference kidnapping. When he provided an alibi that proved he was not in Tracy at the time, Sandra went missing, he was cleared as a suspect. Two more people came forward and were subsequently investigated. Two neighbors, a stepfather and stepson, approached the police and said they had a previous interaction with Sandra. It came out that she had visited them on more than one occasion and had been inside their home. Then the investigation took a shocking turn when it was discovered that the men had inappropriate pictures of children on their phones and computer. They were given polygraph tests, which they both failed. And although Sandra had still not been found, the two new suspects were progress and gave investigators a much-needed lead. The FBI had provided a profile that indicated that the person responsible was likely a white male, 25 to 40, with a criminal history of either sexual assault or child porn or both. And these two suspects fit that general profile. They didn't have any previous criminal records, but they did have child porn on their phones and computers. The search dragged on with no additional breaks or leads. Meanwhile, several miles away, an irrigation pond was being drained for routine maintenance. The large pond was about half the size of a football field and underwent draining twice a year. As the water level emptied out, a suitcase floated to the top. Police were called and they cordoned off the space. The suitcase was heavy, leading law enforcement to fear the worst. The zippers were also tied together with a thin white cord. The suitcase was rushed to the medical examiner's office, where it was opened for the first time. Inside the suitcase, curled up in the fetal position, was a child's body. She was dressed in the same clothes she was wearing the day she disappeared. Dental records confirmed that the body in the suitcase was Sandra's. 
Her autopsy showed that Sandra was drugged with Xanax before she was suffocated. The results also showed that Sandra was sexually assaulted with a foreign object. There was evidence that Sandra was redressed after her death. The discovery was a tragic end to a tireless search for Sandra. As law enforcement switched their efforts to a homicide investigation, someone from early on in the investigation came under scrutiny. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. If you remember, Sandra's mother mentioned to the police that she received a text from her neighbor about a suitcase that was stolen off her driveway around the same time that Sandra went missing. This woman's name was Melissa Huckabee, and she was the same woman who found the note the night of Sandra's vigil. Police quickly realized that the suitcase that Melissa claimed was stolen and the suitcase that surfaced in the pond had matching descriptions. Even though police were pursuing the stepson-stepfather duo with this new information, they refocused their efforts. Melissa's text about her suitcase and frantic behavior at the vigil were previously written off as attention-seeking, which is something Melissa had a history of. At the time, Melissa was 28 years old and had a 5-year-old daughter. She lived close to Sandra's family with her grandparents and her daughter. Sandra would often come over and play with Melissa's five-year-old daughter, so she was familiar with her entire family. Melissa was diagnosed with anxiety and bipolar disorder after a previous suicide attempt. She was a Sunday school teacher at her grandfather's church, and the church was located near the pond where Sandra's body was found. When the news that Sandra's body had been recovered spread, police quickly tried to find Melissa to question her, but they couldn't. She had been admitted to the hospital and was recovering from a suicide attempt. While they waited for her to be discharged, law enforcement began digging into her past. They found that Melissa had a criminal history. She had most recently pled guilty to theft after she was caught stealing from a local department store. She was also a suspect but was never charged in two arsons at her previous apartment complex. Most disturbingly, shortly before Sandra went missing, Melissa had taken another girl to a local park without telling the girl's mother. The girl was returned to her home, and her parents noticed that she was very groggy and having trouble standing. Not knowing what was wrong, the girl was rushed to the hospital where she tested positive for Xanax, the same medication that showed up in Sandra's toxicology report. 
And as far as I could tell from the research, that issue was not resolved before Sandra went missing. While Melissa was still hospitalized, a search warrant was executed on Melissa's grandfather's church. In addition to the search warrant, police re-examined the surveillance video from the mobile home park. They found that the car that drove towards the exit several minutes after Sandra was seen was Melissa's car. During the search of the church, investigators found a couple of damning pieces of evidence. First, in Melissa's classroom, they found the cord for the window blinds had been cut, and the thin white cord that was missing from the classroom matched the cord that was found on the suitcase. Also, police found a rolling pin that tested positive for Sandra's DNA, and it was determined that this was the object used in the sexual assault. Evidence on Melissa's computers indicated that the attack on Sandra was premeditated, Law enforcement also found a notebook in her home that matched the paper from the note found on the night of the vigil. The notebook in Melissa's home had a page torn from it and the tear pattern matched the note. Surveillance video at the church showed Melissa pulling into the parking lot just after four and leaving an hour and a half later. She was then shown returning a half an hour after that. Police continued to build their case and Melissa was released from the hospital. In the meantime, her grandparents had left town, leaving the home they shared at the park empty. Police tapped her phones and continued to build their case, later saying that they wanted an ironclad case before they made an arrest. The final piece of evidence came in the form of an eyewitness. A man and wife lived on the road where Sanders' body was discovered, and on the day in question, they ran into Melissa. They came forward after seeing Melissa on TV and remembering their interaction with her. Around 5.30 p.m., the couple saw her on the side of the road and stopped to see if she needed help. They said she seemed distracted and told them that she just pulled over to go to the bathroom. It is believed that the half an hour time period from when she left and returned to the church was when she left the suitcase in the pond. Going off of this time frame, this means that Sandra was dead before her family even realized that she was missing. Melissa Huckabee was arrested on April 10, 2009, 15 days after Sandra went missing. She was charged with first-degree murder, kidnapping, and rape. When questioned by police, Melissa initially denied that she had anything to do with Sandra's death. But after being pressed for details, she gave the following confession. She said that she was responsible for Sandra's death, but it was an accident. She said that she saw Sandra walking alone the day she disappeared and called her over so she could play with her daughter. She said that they then began playing a game of hide-and-seek, and she told Sandra to hide inside the suitcase. And then, for some inexplicable reason, she decided that she was going to go to work. So she put the suitcase in her trunk and went to work and left the suitcase in her car. According to her, at some point, she remembered while she was at work that Sandra was supposed to be hiding in the suitcase and ran out to her car. Once she opened the suitcase, she realized that Sandra was still inside, but she was already dead. She panicked and hid the suitcase in the pond. She denied purposely killing her, and she denied sexually assaulting her. On May 10, 2009, Melissa pled guilty to kidnapping and murder charges in exchange for not receiving the death penalty and having the rape charge dropped. After her guilty plea, she was charged with drugging the girl from the mobile home park that happened before Sandra went missing. In her statement, she said she did not know why she killed Sandra and again denied sexually assaulting her. Prosecution speculated that she had an incessant need for attention and killed Sandra and then, you know, discovered the note for the attention. 
To this day, Melissa has not provided a motive for this crime. After an extensive witness impact statement from Sandra's family members, Melissa Huckabee was sentenced to life without parole. So for just final thoughts on this case, this case, I get why it stuck with Austin. It's really, yeah. it's, it was so sad. And it's horrible. I watched the video, um, the surveillance video of Sandra mm-hmm. like 10 times because like we kind of talked about, you can see something catching her attention. And it's just so sad because she just seems like a regular little girl who was just out playing after school. I know. And then she just ran into somebody who she knew and trusted and they ended up being just a total monster yeah it's awful i don't even know what more to say it's just it's sad it's kind of a heartbreaking case i reading through it and yeah i don't know it was just really hard honestly yeah i it was kind of interesting because i did kind of try and look up statistics on female murderers because we i've heard of cases where we have a female murderer who they kill their own children. You know, there are like yeah. several high profile cases like that where a mother sure. killed her own children. Wondering like, are there statistics on people who kill, you know, women who kill children who aren't their own children. And I, I didn't find a lot, but you know, female murders are less common than male murders. Right. And a female adult murdering a child, especially a child that isn't hers is even less common. So I really wonder about her state of mind But then maybe I'm, I was thinking about it as like, maybe I'm looking for a reason as to why she committed this terrible crime. Yeah. Because without a reason, it just is so frustrating because it's just so terrible and senseless. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think we all do that. We tend to do that. We try to logic and logical, you know, we're like, we would have a reason for that to happen. I mean, not like this, but you know what I mean? You'd have a reason like. Because the reason would make it at least a little bit easier to stomach. But I think she's just a horrible person. And I, I don't know why she did I Who knows? But I think we're trying to, yeah, figure out why, you know, a monster likes to kill. I think she just did it. And I don't know why she's denying the sexual assault. Because, I mean, I, I just don't think the, the medical examiner would have, you know, made a mistake like that. So she clearly was sexually assaulted and she keeps denying it. I wonder you know maybe maybe melissa thinks it's like somehow yeah like that's like the worst part of it it's like okay well because it's just to me it's strange and again like maybe i'm trying to put myself in her mindset and that's right not the right way to go about it but it's just like to me i'm like well you're already admitting to the murder which we know happened and we know sexual assault happened but you refuse to admit to it maybe she just thinks that like it's somehow better or yeah. like, well, I did this, but I didn't do this, which again is trying to apply like logic or whatever to a very illogical situation. Exactly. And we're just left with this terrible, senseless crime. Exactly. Well, I think that wraps us up for this week. Thank you so much for listening. But before we go, we have some housekeeping to get out of the way. First off, we want to say thank you to some of our listeners who took the time to leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Mean But Efficient, M19C78W, Eliza B84, Knoxwolf, and Levy W15 for your reviews. Your reviews help us out a lot, and we really appreciate you taking the time to leave us feedback. We also want to take a second to thank our most recent Patreon supporters. Thank you to Wendy and Allison for your Patreon support. Your support means the world to us, and we cannot thank you enough. If you'd like to see our Patreon page, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash misconduct. 
Do you want some misconduct merch? Guess what? We have our store set up. You can order t-shirts, mugs, hoodies, water bottles, magnets, and more. Our store is set up through Zazzle and everything you purchase is made to order and drop ship directly to you. All commission earned on any purchases through our store go directly to the podcast. It helps us keep the lights on and the research going. If you're interested, you can go to our website, www.misconductpodcast.com forward slash store or www.zazzle.com forward slash misconduct pod. And remember to always use the discount codes. They're always discounted a ton every day. So the price you see is not the price you pay. And that wraps us up for another episode of Misconduct. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have a second, head over to our Facebook group to discuss this week's case. We love our group and we love being able to interact with you guys. So if you're not a member, join and one of our mods will add you ASAP. We love to hear your thoughts and opinions on the cases. So hop on over and let us know what you think. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MisconductPod. And we want to give a huge thank you to the Blank Tapes for our intro and outro music. Be sure to check them out on Bandcamp to check out more of their stuff. If you have a case you'd like to see covered, drop us a line. Send it over to misconductpodcast at gmail.com and we will see you next week. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.